We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. For over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their business growth. Bob Berg speaks with entrepreneurs, sales professionals throughout the world on how to build powerful business relationships, effectively communicate their value, and cultivate endless referrals. He and his co-author, John David Mann, wrote an international bestseller, The Go-Giver, which has sold more than 1 million copies and has been translated into 30 languages. It has created a worldwide movement. Bob is also the co-founder of Go-Giver Online Community Network. Bob is an unapologetic animal fanatic. He's also an outspoken advocate of entrepreneurship and the free market, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to the number of lives they serve. What I appreciate most about you, Bob, is your abundance mindset. You generously share your wisdom with us and you are like one of the characters in your book. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you. Welcome to ROG, Bob. Hey, thank you, Shannon. Great to be with you. Thanks. Great to be with you, too. I've been a fan of your work for a really long time, and I have been on this generosity journey myself. And since 2018, I decided to make this the focal point of my life and my business. And then in June of 2019, out of the blue, as you would say in your book, my husband and I got invited to a meeting with our friend John Miller for a cup of coffee, and we caught up, and it was wonderful to see him. And at the end of our gathering, he handed me a copy of The Go-Giver. And this was without any knowledge of my dedication to generosity. And he said it, it reminded us. And it's just been so wonderful to join this journey with you. So could you please share with our listeners the premise of The Go-Giver? Book? Yeah, it's, it's basically, and it was co-authored with John David Mann, who is just a fantastic writer. It's a business parable. So he's a, he's a great storyteller. I'm much more of a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three. So I'm the boring guy. He's the writer guy. And, and so it was a good collaboration. And the, the basic premise is simply that shifting your focus, and I think this is really where it all begins, uh, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more fulfilling way of conducting business, it's also the most financially profitable way as well. And not for any kind of way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical type of reasons. Oh, just give and good things. Why? I mean, no, no it's, it's actually very rational. It's very logical. When, when you're that person, Shannon, who, is, who, who can take your focus off of yourself and, and, and focus on serving others, on, on discovering their needs, their wants, their desires, uh, focusing on, on helping them to solve their problems and challenges, um, when you can move the focus off of yourself and make it about helping to move them closer to happiness, uh, 
people feel good about you. Actually, they feel great about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you. They want to tell the world about you. They want to be what we call your personal walking ambassador. So, so that's really... Uh, you know, all in all, the the premise of the the story and the book itself. Oh my gosh, thank you. And you know, for those who have not yet read this book, you must. And it's a it's a oh, leadership fable, so it's a story, very captivating story. And in it, you talk about these five laws of stratospheric success. Would you yeah. mind just giving us an overview of them? Sure. So the five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Uh, law number one, the law of value is all about making the entire experience with that person from the moment you meet them uh, through the relationship building process, the follow-up, the follow-through, the sales process, referral process, making it so outstanding that uh, over and above just the intrinsic value of your product or service, which has to be fantastic, it's that overall feeling they have, right? That they just receive so much more in value than what they paid while you also make a very healthy profit. This is where the difference between price and value comes into play because price is a dollar figure. It's finite. It, you know, it, it is what it is. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they feel so great about it and willingly exchange their money for it uh, while, again, you make a great profit. It's sort of like the accountant who charges you $1,000 to do your taxes. That's the, her price, her fee or her price. But what value does she provide you through her hard work, her energy, her her willingness to get to know you and, and your business and what you're trying to accomplish? She saves you $5,000 in taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. She provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. She gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. So both of you came out ahead. In fact, in any free market-based exchange, free market simply meaning no one's forced to do business with, with anyone. In any free market-based exchange, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. And that's just the law of value. The law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So it's not just a matter of bringing immense value to one person's life. It's how many lives you impact through what you do. Law number three, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Not in a self-sacrificial way or a martyrish kind of way, not, not at all. It's simply understanding as Joe, the protege and the story learned from several of the characters, the golden rule of, of business, of sales, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by genuinely moving from that, that I focus or me focus to that other focus, looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. 
Uh, law number four, the law of authenticity, says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In this part of the story, Deborah shared that, you know, all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are indeed all very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They also feel very comfortable with you and they feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they? They know who they're they're getting. Um, and, you know, I think in, in a sense, these days, authenticity has become a buzzword. And I think it's also almost come to mean that just no boundaries, just say or do whatever you want because you're authentic. And that's, I don't agree with that. Uh, you know, this is like the person who says, well, I yell at people a lot and I have, because I have anger issues. And if I were to do any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. And that, that's hogwash. That's malarkey. It simply means that person has an authentic problem uh, that they need to authentically work on and improve upon in order to be a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. Really, to me, authenticity can be easily defined, and that is acting congruently with your values. When you do that, you're being authentic and you're, you're in the right direction. And then law number five is the law of receptivity. This says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this means nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out, okay, but you also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other, it's both. Breathe out carbon dioxide, breathe in oxygen. Breathe out, which is giving, breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, though the, the world around us with its very anti-prosperity messaging sort of has us believing that. For one person to win, the other must lose. To do well in business, you must be ruthless and horrible. And Come on. Uh, you know, giving and receiving are two sides of the very same coin. They work in tandem. Uh, the key, though, is you got to focus on the giving. These are universal laws, laws of life, laws of nature, economic nature, human nature, physical nature, you, right? We, we plant before we harvest. We sow before we reap. We give before we receive. But as you're doing that, as you're providing immense value, giving immense value to others, touching the lives of many people, placing their interests first, and coming at it from your true authentic core, you've created that benevolent context for your success and for receiving. We just need to be able to allow ourselves to do that with gratitude. Mm. Oh my gosh, so beautiful. Thank you. What an eloquent summation of these really uh, stratospheric laws and ways to operate and prioritize Thank things you. in our lives. So of those five, is there one that, that you know, you continue to work on or a way that you have kind of been challenged by in your own life and profession? Well, like many people, I had to, I had to really work on law number five, the law of receptivity. And that's the one that most people find they have the biggest challenge with. Uh, because again, you know, you, you grow up in a world that, that tells you that, you know, it's good to give, but to receive means you're selfish or you're this or you're that. And, and so I think we need to, to, you know, this is one reason why I believe we need to make a study of prosperity. I mean, in that chapter, John and I cover it, but only on a surface level. There's people out there like 
Randy Gage and uh, Ellen uh, Rogan and Sharon Lecter, Ken Honda, Dave Nagel, the late Bob Proctor. I mean, they wrote, spoke, did videos, blogs on just on prosperity, on the nature of prosperity. And, you know, I say make a study of those people. They're brilliant. And because the gar- the anti-prosperity garbage that we get from the world around us is constant. It's like a barrage. And often it's, it's you know, very much, you know, almost below the surface. It's like when you watch a, a, a movie and my friend Randy Gage, who I just mentioned, he, he brings this up that, you know, most big selling movies, there are two types of people portrayed. There are the good people who are generally portrayed as struggling, they're poor, they're honest, they're happy, right? They're always poor, but they're happy, right? And they're honest. Uh, but they're always being taken advantage of by the other type of character, the, the, the rich, greedy, horrible, terrible person who just wants your money and they want to destroy everybody on their, their path. And, uh, you know, insidiously, there are, there are, are um, scenes like in the first Spider-Man movie, uh, Randy brings us up, where Peter Parker and Uncle Ben are, are uh, sitting there on the couch, I think it was, talking about their being poor. And, and Uncle Ben says, well, Peter, we may be poor, but at least we're honest. What a horrible, horrible message for some teenage boy or girl to, to see when they're watching that, that movie. Because what's the presupposition? What's the premise? That if you're an honest person, you got no chance, pal. Right. You might be happy, but, but you'll struggle. Yeah. You're right. And that if you find yourself making money, you must have done something wrong. Now, you might say, well, that's just a movie. Well, it's practically every movie. And it's also many of the messages that kids receive in school. It's the messages they receive from, you know, their, their you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and this gets in someone's head. This gets in the unconscious. So now you're, you know, you're grown up, you're in a position where you're adding a lot of value to people's lives and you're starting to see some real prosperity come your way. But now those those internal audio messages that are unconscious, they start, well, wait a second. What did you do to get that, that money? Who did, you, who did you take advantage of? What are people going to think about you? Does this mean you were dishonest? You were, right? And now we start sabotaging and getting in the way of our, so yeah. So I, I think uh, prosperity is a, a, a big thing. And, you know, the more prosperous you are, it's first, it's understanding that your prosperity should be a result of the value you've given the marketplace. As John David Mann and I say, uh, money is simply an echo of value, right? It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, right? The value comes first. The money is the result. So if you understand that, and then you also understand the more money you have, the more great things you can do to live out your values, including charity, including, you know, whatever it is you want to do. I mean, I, I you want to make exactly yeah the impact you want to make i love that and i think when you keep referring to your values like starting with clarification of what are your values and what do you stand for and then how might you honor that and manifest that uh, i think that's a good starting place for people oh it is understanding our value you know our values determine our values are like our internal culture uh, what we value is is what we are going to do not what we think we should value or what other people tells us we should value, or what we've what we tell others we value and want to believe ourselves. They, I, those aren't are not probably our real values. It's what you truly hold to be. Remember, what's a value? The relative worth or desirability of a thing. 
So what is, what are your top values? What is it that you live your life by? And uh, you know, I, I think if we're not truly living our values, it's difficult to feel happy to yes. have that peace of mind, right? For sure. Do you have a technique for how you help people clarify what their values are? I, it, you know, there's a lot of people who do that and, and they do that far better than I do. It's what they specialize in doing in terms of values. With me, it's, it's just kind of very easy. I give them a whole list of things and look at them and say, you know, what, which of these are, are what you hold to be of value and then you know, and why? And what about compared to this? Because sometimes values are, are relative in terms of something else that's going on. There's not always, right? So, um, and yet, and yet there are certain things that we absolutely will not and cannot move on, you know, otherwise. And that's why we say people of high character, we, we tend to trust them because we know what they stand for. <laughs> and while people of high character will, will, you know, make mistakes because they're human while they'll, they'll course correct because uh, again, that's just, you know, part of success while they will, be flexible on strategy when it comes to those values-based decisions. They are immutable, uh, they are unmovable, and they're unchangeable. And that's why we trust. Absolutely, that congruence. So in your book, you have this character named Gus, and Gus says that sometimes you feel foolish and even look foolish, but you do the thing anyway. And he's talking about, you know, acts of, I would call it generosity, you would probably call it, acts of service or ways of making a difference. Sure, whatever you want um, to call it. What's an example mm-hmm. of a time when you felt foolish, but you did it anyway, and what was the reward? Mm. I think there are many times I've done things where I, where I felt foolish. Uh, you know, no, sometimes I didn't even feel foolish, but other people thought I was foolish for, for doing it. And so I may have been embarrassed by the fact that other people felt that I was foolish, Yet I knew I did the right thing, or at least in my mind, I did the right thing. So I was okay with it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm the type that doesn't care what people think of me. Of course I do. Uh, I try not to be attached to what people think of me, but of course I, I, I care. I think we need to, uh, I think we need to harmonize those and, and, and so forth. So, uh, but I, I think that's what it was. And if I felt strongly enough about a thing, I just did it. You just did it, right? Because it felt right. And you trusted yourself. Yeah. I, I think that's another benefit of knowing your values, right? You trust yourself. I think that is. Yeah. yeah. And again, it, it, and it, and sometimes, you know, it, and I'm not, and I won't say foolish as much as sometimes when we do things that we hold to be of value that we know others aren't going to approve of, it's not foolish as much as just uncomfortable that you feel uncomfortable about it because you know, you're going to get blowback. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. might not just be like as a standard or culturally right. the norm, exactly. but you yeah. just feel compelled to do it. So in your book, you're saying that the secret to success is giving. And I'm hearing you you talk about that. You know, are there some practical examples of like where you've seen that play out and, you know, many of your clients and the people that you mentor and your audiences and in your own life? Well, I think if you look at any sustainably successful business, you'll find they had to do that. So in other words, when we say, again, when we say giving, we're talking about providing value to others. One of the things that I say when I speak at a sales conference, I'll often begin with is that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Okay. They're not going to buy from you because you want the money. And they're not even going to buy from you just because you're a really nice person. 
they're going to buy from me because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so, right? So because of this, it's imperative, and this is where we say in law number three, placing the other person's influ- uh, per- put, placing the other person's interests first, right? You're really not doing it out of a, a, a again, sa- self-sacrificially. You realize that that person is much more interested in themselves than they are in you, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, right. so, you know, if, so if you're going to do business with someone and if they're going to do business with you, it's up to you, it's up to us to be mm-hmm. the one that communicates that value. Now, again, all right, mm-hmm. the question might be, well, does that mean that you're just doing it because you want the sale? No, that's that duality that we talked about. Right. It means that, no, you do it because it's congruent with your values to care about your customers, yes. <laughs> to care about yeah. others. Right. Right. Um, and the thing is, if, if that person's not the best, if, if you're not the best fit, if your product or service is not the best fit for that person, then you shouldn't be selling it to them. You mm-hmm. should be uh, suggesting someone else who can, who can. Right. So and then that usually comes back to you. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me and to others or where that. But that's not why you do it. You do things. Right. Uh, First and foremost, because it's congruent with your values, the way you believe life is supposed to be lived. Mm-hmm. Okay? But there's no dichotomy between doing what's right and what's profitable. It tends right. to be that the more things you do right, the more profitable it is. <laughs> right. It's proven itself. Yes. Oh, over and over again. Yes. You know, you look at any, again, any sustainably successful business. Yes. They're always providing more in value than what you did. That that accountant we talked about earlier, right. she does her business because she provides great value to her clients. Her focus is not on her fee. Her focus is on the immense value she's providing mm-hmm. others. Her reward is the fee. Right. Now, it, you know, if you're her client and she saved you well more than what you've paid, she's given you, provided you with hours of free time you wouldn't have had, and she's provided you and your family security and peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly, the chances are you're really happy with her. You would do business with her again, and you would refer her to others. Mm -hmm. Well, her other clients feel the same way about her. So our accountant is very quickly amassing that army of personal walking ambassadors. Yes, just by being committed to the value that she's offering to others. And I exactly. love how you describe in the book that the the number one law is the law of value, or I would say the first. That's the foundation. That's the foundational principle. Yeah, and like who determines the value? Uh, the value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Yes. Right? It's not what we think is of value, right? It's not what we think they should think is of value. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's what they believe is of value. Oh my gosh. I think that is so important. <laughs> and that requires, like, how would you say that people who aren't already operating in this way intentionally can mm-hmm. understand and uncover the the value that others perceive that that they need or you know, yeah. the values of others? You know, that's that's really such a wonderful question, Shannon, because here's the thing, because you know, people often ask, well, how do I how do I help someone, you know, someone who's really more of a go-taker than they are a go-giver, right? How do, how do, I, how do I help them see that being a go-giver is going to be great for their business and it's going to be right? So first, it starts with understanding that if a person doesn't see a problem or, you know, doesn't see an issue, 
they're probably not going to try and change. So this is where the relationship really comes in. Because if someone knows, likes, and trusts you, they're much more likely to accept your guidance. Now, the way we, we, we communicate it to them, you know, needs to be in a way that's going to help them. It's uh, to, to be able to be open. And it might be, you know, I so uh, admire so much of what you do and the work you do. I'm wondering if you'd mind or if you'd be open to my suggesting something that may just add even a little bit to, you know, your productivity or, or however you want to, you know, do it. Okay. And if the person's interested now, you can explain to them why focusing on the other person's interests as opposed to their own is so much more profitable for them. And again, you've got to, you've got to present it to them in a way that they're going to, if, if they're a go taker, let's say, and they're just looking at that bottom line, well, profit is what they're going to be open to. Okay. So you, you've got to meet them where they're at. So then you might give them an example. Okay. And you say, you know, let's say I'm the salesperson and you're my prospect, my prospective customer. And, you know, I'm going in there. I just, you know, and, and so sometimes people, well, what if I just really need the money? You know, this go-giver stuff is fine, but what yeah, if like I really need the money? Don't <laughs> I just, well, okay, well, let's, so let's, let's look at that. I'm the salesperson, uh, Shannon, you're the prospective customer and I need the money. So I'm going to go in there and my goal is to just basically get you to pay me money for my product. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I may ask you some questions, but really I'm not doing it in, for any reason other than to just kind of be able to sharp angle you into a close because I need your money. I'm not really concerned mm -hmm. about you. You know, when you have an objection, yeah, I'm going to answer it quickly and I'm going to give you the standard answer to your objection but uh, I'm going to be a bit defensive about it probably because your objection is standing in the way mm -hmm. of my money that I need. I'm going to be closing often and I'm going to be closing hard because I need that money. Now, I would ask you, are you more likely or less likely to do business with me right now? And I'm going to say that the, the chances are less likely because you know I don't really care about you. I care about your money. Right. Yeah. Closing. <laughs> so that's yeah. the same situation. Quota. Okay. Yeah, I'm still, I still need money. Okay. I, I still am just starting out or whatever the situation is. I, but I, I need the money. But I'm going to do something. I'm not going to deny my self interest. First of all, as a human being, I'm self interested. We all are. It's how we, our cave person ancestors passed their genes on, on to the next generation. It had to be, there's a self interest gene in us. Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to deny it, but I am going to put it aside because you're not concerned with my self-interest. You're concerned with your self-interest, as you should be, because you're the customer, okay? So now, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my self-interest to the side and simply focus on bringing immense value to you. That's my focus. So I'm going to ask you questions in order to discover your needs, your wants, your desires, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to look deep into to your issues and how to solve them. Only once I know and understand what you're looking to accomplish, am I going to connect the benefits of my product or service with your needs, wants, and desires. When you have an objection, I'm going to welcome that objection. And I'm going to assure you that it's a good question and that you need to feel comfortable with the process. But what I'm going to do is instead of just answering the objection you give, which may or may not be the true objection, because sometimes when people just don't understand something, they go right to, uh, you know, well, I have to think about it or ask my so-and-so or what about the, you know, 
It, but what we're going to do is we're going to work together and, and really discover the root of that objection so we both know it and then work through it together. Mm-hmm. By the time I ask you to take action, okay, I'm simply asking you to do something that you have already told me you want to do. But more than anything, you understand in your heart that I have your well-being in mind. Are you more likely or less likely to want to do business with me right now? And the chances are much more likely. Now, when we explain this to our friend, the go-taker, okay, what we share with him or her is that just start out by doing that and two things are going to happen. One is your sales are going to go be much better and you're going to make more money, be much more profitable. But here's the other thing that's going to happen. You're going to find a new love for your business because <laughs> it's going to feel great oh, I love that. to help yes. so many people and to see their gratitude. Uh, right. And so that's what helps a right, person. But it begins it. with the relationship of being able to accept from you another idea contrary to what they may have grown up with or, or been taught by someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That is so beautiful. Thank you. My so out of respect for our time, just to wrap this up and think about how we could invite our listeners to practice something like a practical thing that they could do today to put some of this into action, what would be like the number one recommendation you have for someone who maybe hasn't been thinking like this? I'm sure ROG listeners probably think like this, but for us to now have this framework, like what's what's a bit of advice you have? So I would say the big thing is, is this, constantly dig deep and and try and discover what another person would find valuable about being in relationship with you, Mm -hmm. right? And again, understand that we all see the world from our own set of beliefs. What we hold to be of value may not be what someone else does. And that's why asking questions and listening is so important. But continue to always ask yourself, how can I be of value to this person in a way that they see it as being of value? Yes. Ah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing your time and wisdom with us. I'm so deeply grateful for you. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.